Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Bible Study. I hope that you're having a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day here in Taos, New Mexico. It was a rainy day. We got a lot of moisture, and speaking of rain... We just finished the Feast of Tabernacles, the feast called Sukkot. You can find that in Scripture and Leviticus 23 and throughout the Bible. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, about how it's a time of rejoicing. I'm going to share some testimony with you and give you references of Jesus, Yeshua, and his participation in Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, and how that related to him as Messiah and how it relates to us now as his bride. Before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. We just come before you, Yahweh. Thank you, our God, for being our deliverer, our defender, for rescuing us, for bringing us into salvation, for preparing a place for us, for communing with us, for desiring after us your creation that we would have relationship with you. Thank you for sealing us by your Holy Spirit, buying us with the precious price, for resurrecting your Son to life so that we can live. We look forward to your promises and to all that you have in store right now. I pray that this word would go forward and touch hearts and lives. I pray that it would land on the fertile ground of our hearts and that we would receive what you're speaking, each of us, that you would speak. Father, I pray you would use me as a vessel to declare your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you to illuminate and bring truth to these words, to bring life to these words, to touch hearts and to touch our situations, uh, that we would be inspired by what it is that you're speaking right now in this hour. We pray these things in Jesus, Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you again for tuning into this study. It's titled Rejoice. Hallelujah. This is a time to rejoice. We have just celebrated the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar, which is a time of Shabbat. It's a time of rest. It's also a time of great rejoicing, first beginning with Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets that signals that the King is coming, the Feast of Atonement that has to do with repentance and receiving great salvation and leading into the Feast of Tabernacles that celebrates God's mighty hand of salvation, celebrates what He has done for His people, celebrates that He invites us to commune with Him, to know Him, to have a relationship with the living God that created us. What a mighty God he is. And this year we celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles in Carlsbad and also at a revival in Truth or Consequences. We were called to go to Carlsbad in the most awesome way. We had been fasting and praying leading up to the Feast of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And my husband was on the altar. We were all praying in the house of prayer. And he heard several times Carlsbad the promised land, take your tent. The funniest part is we purchased a tent two months ago in West Virginia as we were traveling home from our last tour that was from LA to New York. And we purchased this tent in West Virginia. We were going to take the children to a lake for Sabbath. We were led to go to Buffalo Lake and we bought this tent at Walmart and it was called the Carlsbad. Coleman makes a tent called the Carlsbad. And I bought that and I had several other tents that 
that I could have bought that were a little less expensive, but I particularly was led to buy that one. And I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to us that we would be going to Carlsbad soon. And that's where Ryan's family is from, but we haven't had a visit there in three years. The last time we visited Carlsbad was right before we were sent to Israel. And we went to visit Carlsbad, his family, while his father was ill. And we prayed over his father and God supernaturally resurrected him to life. It was a miracle and it grew our faith in such a tremendous way. And then we were led to Israel. And this was in 2020, just as the global shutdowns began to happen. So anyway, we're led to go to Carlsbad this year, take our tent, the promised land. Well, he looked that up after he finished praying and we were still praying and I was still on the altar and he started rejoicing, jumping around because he had just looked up the promised land and Carlsbad and he discovered that they were filming a pilot for a series coming up called The Promised Land. And it was being filmed during Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And you just can't make this kind of stuff up. He was laughing. He was so happy. He's like, I can't believe this. I can't wait to tell these people what God just showed me. And he was just so excited about it. So we went ahead and made plans. That was on October 1st. And we headed to Carlsbad on October 10th. Took our family, took our tent, headed out to Carlsbad. And we went out to where they would be filming this pilot and we prayed. We were led to pray throughout the sand dunes in Carlsbad and just prepare the way in the spirit. Pray for protection. Pray that God's hand would be upon the project. Pray for all the people that were coming together. And turns out that this series is about Moses as he led the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land and the trials that they went through 40 years in the wilderness. It's just so wild because, of course, that is what the Feast of Tabernacles commemorates. After we finished praying the first day, this was before they had began shooting, we met a young man who was staying on the grounds, and he is their production director, this young man, Christian, and we told him what we had come to do, and he was amazed by that and he also didn't know about the Feast of Tabernacles or the timing. Turns out they were supposed to film the week before, but it didn't work out. So they ended up filming that following week to line up exactly with the Feast of Tabernacles. It's commemorated in Jerusalem and Israel and all throughout the world. So it was just such an amazing thing to witness how God aligns things in his perfect timing and in his way. And he includes us in that process as we listen to him, as we obey, as we do what he calls us to do. We were there, we prayed there, and then we were led to truth or consequences to go ahead and pray. Down there, there was a revival that was beginning, and we were led to pray there also. And then after the first night, we came back to Carlsbad, and we went out to the set on Saturday, which was the final day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And I was sharing with them, because it looked like rain was coming, and I was sharing with them how during the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, they pray for rain, and it represents the blessing of God, because because, of course, you've got to remember that back in the day, water just wasn't turned on by the faucet. Water was a very blessing of God. The rain of God represents the Holy Spirit pouring down upon all flesh. And during this Feast of Sukkot, we pray for the rain of the Spirit of God to pour out. And it comes in the natural also. But we pray that the rain would hold out until the shooting had finished. And it did. Both days that we were there praying, it held out until the end. So I'm just very thankful. Thankful. There was some sprinkles, some blessings, but it wasn't drenching until after. So I'm thankful because God is faithful 
and he's faithful also to bring us the blessing of rain. Thank you, Father. It was a beautiful time that we had. We got to meet the producers and share the testimony, and I cried several times just amazed with how God would draw us there, bring us there, that we had the privilege and opportunity to pray and to pray with many people who were there and just enjoy other believers out there that have desired to spread the message of the Bible. And I'm just so thankful for all that God is doing in this season. And so I rejoice in him. Hallelujah. Because not only did he save the Israelites from bondage, he has saved us, healed us, delivered us from bondage time and time again. Whether that bondage is addiction to this world or the things and the stuff of this world or bondage in sin or addiction or whatever it might be, he saved me. He saves me every day. He saves you. He saves us. He loves his people. He desires to see us saved, healed, delivered, set free from bondage. This is a scripture that talks about rejoicing during the feast, about singing to him, rejoicing, shouting for joy in these seasons of joy. Psalms 81, 1 through 5. This is the Passions translation. It says, Lord, just singing about you makes me strong, so I'll keep shouting for joy to Jacob's God. My champion, let the celebration begin. I will sing with drum accompaniment and with sweet sound of the harp and guitar strumming. Go ahead, blow the jubilee trumpet to begin the feast. Blow it before every joyous celebration and festival, for God has given these seasons of joy, days that the God of Jacob decreed for us to celebrate and rejoice. He has given us these feasts to remind us of his triumph over Egypt when he went out to wage war against them. Glory to his name. This is a different version of the same passage in the Amplified Version. It says, sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the timbrel. The sweet sounding lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon. At the full moon on our feast day. For this is a statute for Israel. An ordinance of the God of Jacob. He established it for a testimony in Joseph when he went throughout the land of Egypt. So we just praise you. This passage is all about the new moons, the feasts of God, the time to rejoice, to sing, to celebrate in jubilee in who God is and how he saves us from bondage, how he saved his people long ago from their oppressors in Egypt and how he saves us from our oppressors today because that is who he is. He's a God who saves, heals, delivers, and sets us free. These feasts remind us of what he's done in our lives and what he did back then and what he's continuing to do all the time. And so it's so wonderful when we rejoice in who he is, when we thank him for what he has done because he paid the price. Yeshua paid the price to set us free from bondage, just like Moses is a prototype for Yeshua because he rescued the people out of Egypt. Yeshua comes and he rescues us out of bondage because he died for us. He paid the price for us. He laid down his life for us that we can live, that we can have life everlasting. And he sealed us with his love. He sealed us with his Holy Spirit. When we read about the wedding back in scripture in Hebrew times, a bridegroom would purchase his wife. He would go and leave his home and go after her and he would pay a price.
price for her. He would purchase her with a dowry. He would choose her and then pay a costly price for her to seal his love for her. And they would seal that covenant and they would drink wine to seal that covenant together. And then he would leave her and he would go off and he would prepare that place for her as she would wait for him and he would wait for her and he would prepare a place. Much like Yeshua, (laughs) he paid a price for us. He came to earth to find his bride, his beloved, and then he would pay the price of his life for us. And then he would seal that covenant with the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. He would seal that covenant with his own blood. And as we take part in his table, communing with him, we covenant with him, taking in his love, taking in that gift that he paid for us. And he prepares a place for us. And he's coming again. Hallelujah. He prepares a house for us. This scripture is talking about how we are sealed with his Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee, a certification that we are God's. This is 2 Corinthians 1.22. It says, it is God who has put his seal on us. That is, he has appointed us and certified us as his, and he has given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, like a security deposit to guarantee the fulfillment of his promise of eternal life. Hallelujah. He bought us with a price and he steals us with his Holy Spirit that we would have eternal life in him. What a gift that he gave to us so that we can come and commune with him so that we can come and commune in his presence. That gift that he bought us with, that we are his own. We read about the third temple and this is a temple that has never been erected in the natural, but I believe it speaks of a spiritual temple, a temple that is to come in the spirit and perhaps it will be built in the natural, but I believe it's a spiritual picture of this communion where we have turned back to worshiping God. He is the center of our hearts. He has bought us. He has sealed us with his Holy Spirit and we desire after him. We desire to commune with him in those times that he has set, like the feast times, to commemorate what he's done for us. And the Sabbath times, once a week, taking that time to rest in him. And this is a beautiful spiritual prototype because it describes this temple and it describes the worship, but it also describes a little secret of the presence of God and how he comes in at these very set times. It's in these set times, these special times, that we can encounter him in great glory. And that's something we've noticed being in prayer every single day. There are set times. There are specific moments where you just feel the anointing of God like not every day. It's something unique and special, and it's his Hebrew calendar. It is his calendar. The feast of Yahweh, the set times that he outlaid in scripture are actually very high times of communing in his presence. And this scripture is what talks about it in detail. Ezekiel 46, 1 through 3, it says, Thus says the Lord God, the gate of the inner courtyard that faces east shall be shut during the six working days, but it shall be opened on the Sabbath day and opened on the day of the new moon. The prince shall enter by the porch, portico of the gate from outside, and stand by the post of the gate. The priest shall prepare and provide his burnt offering and his peace offering, and he shall worship at the threshold of the gate. And then 
then go out. But the gate shall not be shut until evening. The people of the land shall also worship at the entrance of that gate before the Lord on the Sabbath and on the new moons. And so this is speaking of those set times, the Moadims, when the prince comes in and the people are to worship as the prince is there at the gate. And so it's speaking spiritually of these gates, these openings, these Moedim set times when the presence of God is so tangible and you worship and you worship, hallelujah, with the king of kings, the prince. And I believe that's what this is regarding when it speaks of prince of king, Yeshua HaMashiach. These are times when we commune, these Sabbath times, these new moon times, these feast times, the Sabbath, of course, is at the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the first day, and it's also the last day. So we read throughout Scripture when we look at the feast that there were set times that were Sabbaths. Yom Kippur, the Feast of Atonement, is a Sabbath. It's a day of rest. Yom Teruah is a new moon. It's also a Sabbath, a day of rest. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, the first and the eighth day, these times of resting in the King, not doing work, but resting communing in his presence. And that was the day that we were on this set with these believers, just praying and communing with one another and communing in his presence. And it was such a blessed time. And I just give him praise because these things can not be explained otherwise, only that his anointing is there. His love is there. It's a special gate way, time to commune with our prince and to commune with one another. And that's why there's these holy convocations or public gatherings that are called on these set times. The other thing that we read about during the Feast of Tabernacles is Yeshua. These were times when Yeshua would observe the Feast of Yahweh. He was not exempt. He observed the feasts of the Bible. He observed the feasts that are outlined in Leviticus 23. He went up to the Feast of Tabernacles, and that is when he declared that he was the living water. When you drink from him, you'll never run dry. And it's interesting because during this feast is when they would do a water libation ceremony, and it's when they would take water and wine and they would mix it together. And that's when he describes that he was the living water on this feast of Sukkot, the feast of tabernacles. And we read about that in John chapter 7, 37 through 39. It says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, he who adheres to trust and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. But he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him as Savior were to receive afterward. The Spirit had not been given yet. Because Jesus was not yet glorified or raised to honor, those who would believe on him out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Some versions say out of their belly. Some say out of their heart will flow living water. The Holy Spirit, when we believe on Jesus, he becomes our salvation and he seals us with his Holy Spirit. Out of our belly flows living waters and this can be a physical manifestation. In fact, the last couple years, my belly will overflow tangibly, actually physically bubbling out and it causes me to vibrate because the Spirit of God dwells in our living temples. We are temples of the Spirit of God. When we believe on him, he inhabits 
inhabits us. We invite him to tabernacle within us to actually become temples of the Spirit of God. Jesus was the temple of the Spirit of God. Sukkot has to do with being a tabernacle of the Spirit of God. Jesus, Yeshua, was born during Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, where the Holy Spirit dwelt in him, and he made his abode in Jesus. And us too, we are sealed when we believe on the salvation of Jesus. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We become living tabernacle dwelling places. Out of our inmost being flows living waters. Hallelujah. He infuses us. And that's when he declared this on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles during this water libation ceremony where the priest would draw water from the pool of Siloam. Remember that pool. We talked about it a few weeks ago when Jesus covered the blind man with clay and then he went to wash in the pool of Siloam. That means sent one. He was sent out so that he could see the blindness came off. Amazing that the priest would draw water from these pools of Siloam with a golden pitcher and carry it to the temple and pour it into silver bowls next to the altar accompanied with music and choirs and then the priest would pour out the water and he would pray to God to send rain. This is when they did this during the feast of Sukkot. In some traditions, the water drawing of the tabernacles is interpreted as the drawing of the Holy Spirit. So it's so significant that Yeshua would declare that on this specific day, pointing to himself and to the Holy Spirit. Oh, and when we see who he is, when we encounter his salvation, when he washes us and he takes away our blindness with his living waters, the pool of Shiloam, hallelujah, we can see him clearly. We can see what he speaks to us, hallelujah. He illuminates his ways through the Holy Spirit of God. It's also powerful that when we're speaking of that third temple that we talked about in Ezekiel 46, that in the following chapter, it's describing the rivers of living water that flow from the temple, from the holy place. Hallelujah! These living waters that breathe life to the dead things, to the dead sea, that things come to life in this living water. And that is our God. That is the Holy Spirit of God bringing life, bringing fruit, bringing rejoicing where there was oppression or bondage. Now we've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We are outflowing out pouring with living water, producing fruit. Hallelujah. This is Ezekiel 47, 9 through 12. It says, it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live and there will be a great number of fish because these waters go there so that the waters of the sea are healed and become fresh so everything will live wherever the river goes. And it'll come about that fishermen will stand beside it at the banks of the Dead Sea from Engedi to Engayi there will be dry places to spread nets. Their fish will be of very many kinds like the fish of the great Mediterranean Sea. Glory! And skipping down to verse 12, it says, By the river on its bank on one side and on the other will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They shall bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Ha <laughs> ha! Glory to God. He calls us out of bondage. Hebrews
brings us into communion in his presence. And as we exist in his presence, in his living waters, they pour into us. We produce fruit. Our roots go deep down, deep into the living waters of our God, the Holy Spirit that causes us to be fishermen, to go out to spread the gospel of the good news, to go out and to have fruit, the fruit that lasts, the fruit, the joy, the love, the peace of the kingdom, of enjoying the presence and the communion and the rejoicing of our God. No matter what's going on, no matter the darkness that surrounds us, we have a God that has set us free from bondage. He bought us with a price and he calls us his love. He calls us his beloved. He has sealed us by his Holy Spirit and called us to bear fruit, fruit that lasts glory to his holy name. Hallelujah. And I'm just so excited. I'm excited of this spiritual picture that we see and this time that we get these Moedims to remember, to recall, to engage, to commune with him, to commune with fellow brothers and sisters who desire him, to commune because that is who he is. That is our God. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for this word. I pray that it has touched hearts, encouraged hearts, spoken into lives. Today, it has encouraged me, and I'm just so thankful for who you are, all that you've done and continue to do, and how you align us, and how you draw us together, and how you call us to bear fruit. I just thank you and praise you. I pray everyone listening will be filled with your spirit, fresh and new and outpouring of living waters into their hearts, into their souls, that you would just touch them in a mighty way today. Thank you, Father, for all that you have done and are doing, and we just give you praise and glory in Yeshua's holy, precious name. Amen, amen. Thank you all for tuning in. I pray that this study has blessed you, encouraged you. I pray that you have a beautiful and blessed week, and we will see you next time. Yahweh bless you.